0: Mine. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be at this church. I'm excited to bring the word to you tonight. I do feel like I have a word from the Lord. I think it's going to be a blessing to you. I feel like God wants to uh, to just uh, love on His people tonight. Is that all right? If the Lord does that, that's just what I sense in my soul, in my spirit tonight. I want to um, want you to open your Bibles if you have them. You can remain seated. It's quite a lengthy uh, reading, but it's my favorite one. Of, I shouldn't say my favorite. One of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible is Psalm 91. And I, I love that chapter. I, I just I fell in love with it a couple years ago. It just ministered to me. And we're going to read that tonight. And, and like I said, you can remain seated. But I just want you to, uh, as, as we go over this, I want you just to try and imagine yourself, put yourself uh, in situations where you just hear God's heart In in his response. Hear God's heart in this and how this applies to you. And I think they got that on the overhead. And let's just let me just read this to you and follow along with me if you would. It says, The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. He says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself In other words, he's not going to send anybody else to do it. He'll take care of it himself. He himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers and you will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day the plague that stalks in darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high, your dwelling place. And we're going to talk about that tonight. No harm will come to you, no plague will come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the young lion and the serpent because he is lovingly devoted to me. I will deliver him, I will protect him because he knows my name. And when he calls out to me, I will answer him, I will be with him in trouble, I will rescue him and give him honor, and I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Let's, let's pray tonight. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we sense Holy Spirit in the house. We're so thankful, God that we are able to just come together and assemble and worship you and glorify you. Now, Fathers, we turn to your word. I just pray that you would touch our hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, have your way. Comfort your people, God. Encourage your people. If if people need to be challenged, if people need to be corrected, so be it. But God, we pray that we would not leave this place the same way that we came in. Father, that we would just uh, be about your business as we go forward. And God, I'm believing for fantastic things in the rest of this service. And all those that agree with me tonight, say amen. amen. As I said, I love this chapter. It's certainly one of my favorites in the Bible. And some people will say that Moses was the one that wrote this particular chapter other people, other scholars you pick up and say, well, no, it's more David that wrote this. And the other people will come along and say, Moses wrote it, but David was the one that took it and included it in the Psalms. And so, either way, you get, we see that it's included and we know that it is full of promises. How many did you pick up on the promises of God in that chapter there? Wonderful promises, wonderful blessings. And they speak to the protective nature of God. He is God the Father, and God protects his children. Somebody say amen. He is a loving Father, and he is a caring Father. In fact, if you go through and you count it, it mentions that there were 11 different issues, and I'm just going to say Moses was the one that wrote it tonight, that, that 11 different issues that Moses picks up on, and he talks about pestilence, he talks about terror, He talks about just evil, evil schemes. He talks about enemies. He talks about arrows by night, talking about danger and wickedness and on and on and on. There's 11 total things. And then right at the very end of that that passage, this, this list of troubles, he makes a point to say that with all of that stuff going on around you, that there is a place in God That in the middle of all of those schemes and attacks of the enemy, that there is a place in God that you can find shelter, that you can find protection. There is a high tower. There is a refuge. There is a place in the spirit. There is a place where your soul, your mind, and your will, and your emotions that are being attacked and taxed by the issues of the day that you can run to and that you can find shelter and that you can find protection and now notice nowhere in that chapter did it say that as the days go on that things were going to get better nowhere did it say that as time went on that struggles would 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 become less that we would enter into this utopian state nowhere does it say that But no matter what is going on around you as a believer, as a child of God, with God as your father, there is a place of safety that we can go to, that we can rest in, in spite of everything that's going on around us. Now, I don't want to get into a big debate. I don't want to get into a big argument. There's, there's, you know, proponents and people that will say that coming into 2023, You get some people that say the Lord has shown them that 2023 is going to be a fantastic year. And then you got other people that say, well, no, 2023, and I'm talking about within the church, 2023 is going to be just, you know, a year of trying times and all that kind of stuff. And they come up with slogans and they say stuff like, you know, the year, it's going to be a year of great blessing for you and me in 2023. And then you turn around and then you have other people that will say stuff like, woe unto you in 2023. Who do you believe? I don't know. I think most of them are just trying to sell some books. But I will say this, in spite of it, in spite of if things go good or bad, there is still a refuge that is true. There is still a place that when I go to in the spirit, when I go to in my soul, when my soul, my mind and my will and my emotions are overwhelmed, there is a place in God's presence that I can go to and set on the Father's lap and allow Shaddai to take care of me and care for me and will pour into me and he'll be El if I need him to and he'll be El Shaddai if I need him to. Whatever I need him to be in the moment, he will show up. And he will be that high tower in that moment that will care for me in spite of the goings-on around me. Somebody say amen in the house. And so Moses was a man who could speak with authority because he understood what it was to go through. Imagine imagine his situation in writing this psalm where he has just witnessed everything that happened in Egypt. You know, the, the, the ten plagues and wandering around in the wilderness for years and years and years and all the drama that went on there. Imagine surviving the attack of Pharaoh when they're pinned up against the Red Sea and he's leading millions of people. He's in charge of millions of people. He doesn't have any of the natural resources to take care of. In fact, they're totally dependent upon God's daily supply of man. I mean, this is a man that's got a lot going on. Somebody say amen. This is a man who is overwhelmed. This is a man that needed a high tower. This is a man that needed some place of refuge to run to, that shadow that would overshadow him, to be in the presence of God. And all of this is overwhelming. And the fact of the matter is, some people may say, well Josh, I've never went through anything quite like that. None of us have. But we still live in trying times. Come on, somebody. If you listen to the voices and the testimony of people today, I don't know anybody or any family that is not under hell's attack in this moment. And that is not to give the devil credit. That's not to build him up and tell him what a great job it's doing. It should let us know the day and time in which we live that the heat's been turned up. He knows his time is short. God's fixing to come back for his people. And in that moment, we have to have a place and a shelter to run into so we can have places of comfort. In spite of it all, you can run to that shadow. In spite of it all, you can get in the shadow of the Most High. What is the shadow? Maybe you parents in here have said this or maybe you were told this uh, as a kid. I don't, I don't necessarily remember my parents saying it, but I've heard parents say this where, you know, you'll go outside and, and parents are out there with their kids. And I remember, I really do remember, ha- I remember parents that will tell their kids and say, don't get out of my shadow. Don't you leave my shadow. What do they mean by that? They're talking about protection. Don't go too far. If something's happening, if something comes up, you need me, I'm right here. Don't don't leave this sphere, this place of protection to where I can't easily get to you because if things go south, you're gonna need me. Things go south, you're gonna be coming and crying and crawling to me. You're gonna need me there. Don't get out of my shadow. Hang close to me. Stay right here. In fact, in verse 4 of that chapter, it speaks of the feathers and the wings. Talking about how God would like to expand out his feathers and his wings as though they were casting a shadow of protection of uh, uh, birds that they would do on their chicks, how they're trying to protect them and shadow them from things that are coming their way. And it's hard in the shadow in ministry at times. Let me just be transparent for just a moment. It's hard in ministry at times that when you censor, you know that someone is leaving the shadow. Is that okay to say? When you see people that are in church or people that used to be a part of the church and they were faithful, and this, this is just a little sidebar for just a second. It's hard on me as a pastor. Is this okay for just a minute? When people that you know used to be sold out and dedicated and all of a sudden you start looking around and they're no longer in the shadow. Where'd they go? And you see them starting to pull away intentionally or unintentionally. Kind of separating themselves and they're falling prey to deception. And, and if, if you're a pastor, you've got a shepherd's heart. And so you're, you're wanting to take your shadow and kind of cast your shadow on them. You want to bring them back into the fold. And listen, of all the stuff that's going on in the world today, of all the stuff that's going on in your life today, you were never meant to deal with that on your own. You need the church. You need the fellowship of God's people. Listen, we're not perfect around here. We're not perfect around here, but this is a good place to be. Is that okay? As pastor used to say, if you can't croak for your own pond, this is our pond right here. And we believe in this and we don't want to see people fade out. And you play the games people always play. Hey, brother, sister, it's been two or three weeks. Yeah, I know. I've just, I've just been busy. I've been, mm-hmm. And you start talking to him. Well, you know, there's just been a lot going on. Mm-hmm. You're getting out of the shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Is this okay, church? You need to be in the presence of the Lord. You need to be around that. Now, listen. Moses, some of, the, some of the people that I read, some of the scholars that I read that, that talk about this chapter, they bring up a point, they bring up an interesting point about it I never thought of before. And they say in this chapter that what Moses is really talking about here in this Psalm 91 is he's actually talking about the law. Now th- this is actually recorded in the law of Moses, the, but he's actually talking about the law of hospitality, some of you say, what's the law of hospitality? Hang with me. I'm going to build a case here. The law of hospitality is not something that most of us are familiar with in the westernized world. It is not something that we are acquainted with in the westernized Americanized church. It, it, it was a law that was in place even before the time of Moses. In fact it was referenced and it not not directly but it was referenced going all the way back to the time of job even abraham makes reference and we see the law of hospitality lived out in the life of job lived out in the life of abraham and many arab cultures across all the arab nations today many arab cultures to this day still exercise the law of hospitality. This is a roughly four or five thousand year old law that was just known and accepted and lived out within all of those Middle Eastern cultures. So hang with me tonight. This law was in how they were to treat somebody, especially strangers. The law of hospitality, if If you, in in that arid culture, you you would have shepherds that would have sheep out in the middle of the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere, and they would have their tents and they would have all of these, these things up, and if they got out of the middle of nowhere and they came across a stranger that was in need, maybe somebody that was hungry, somebody that was thirsty, and they come across them, or reverse it. If they're there and a stranger happens upon them, there was a cultural law that mandated that the shepherd had to take care of the stranger. They had to. It was something that was done and participated by everybody. People would be found out in the middle of the wilderness and and they would need help, they would be in danger, they would be lost, they would be hungry, they would be thirsty. This is still customary today. Now I want you to get some of this. Listen how powerful this is. There was a guy by the name of Fred Waite And he wrote this big article on this culture going back four and 5,000 years ago. And this is what he says. This was applied during Moses' time, Abraham's time, all the way up even until today. Even the Hebrews and the Israelites, they participated in this kind of a thing. And it says in Arab times, he says this, that whenever the shepherds would put up their tent for the night and they would get ready for dinner, they would fold up and open up the wings. Are you with me? They would roll up the wings of the tent and they would step out to the perimeter of the tent and they would yell as loud as they could. They would invite people, whoever could hear them, out in the middle of the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere, if anybody is hungry, come to the tent. It was an open-ended invitation. Here's what they considered. They considered guests of any type, whether they be strangers or whether they be people that they knew, family, whatever, they considered them to be God sent. God sent these people my way. Friends were always welcome and they even had an expression that they used for strangers and it was this, and I'm quoting, every stranger is an invited guest. Every stranger is an invited guest. Even Enemies had the right to force you to participate in the law of hospitality. One culture said that if an enemy rode up to your tent on horseback and if he could get his hand on the rope of the tent, if he made it that far without you cutting him down, and he got his hand on on, on the rope of your tent You were required to take him in and care for him and feed him. And get this, if he made it into your tent, he then became your responsibility and you had to be willing to sacrifice your life to protect him. This is your enemy. Now, I'm building a case tonight. Is this okay? Hang with me. Now listen, we see Jesus even to an extent referencing this kind of a custom. We see Jesus talking about this. And I'm not not trying to give you a history lesson tonight. I'm just trying to build the point that all of this had to do with the shadow that the shepherd cast. Are you with me tonight? So God in Psalm 91, what he is trying to do and what he's trying to show people that don't know that there is a place of refuge in him, even for those that would be his enemies. Are you with me tonight, church? The Bible even says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, not just sinners, but the Bible even says that we were not just at enmity with God, but that we were enmity with God. We were the very enemies of God. And while we are the enemies of God, God is saying, my tent is huge, it is wide, come on in. Are you with me tonight, church? That's why it even says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, be careful how you treat strangers because you might have entertained angels not even being aware of it. Even today. That was a reference to the law of hospitality. That was Jesus. He was referencing the law of hospitality. Jesus even adds to the law. He comes along and he says this, and I'm quoting, as you've done unto the least of these, you've also done unto me. Let that sink in for just a minute. So no matter who you are dealing with, the, low, the, the, the downcast, the lowly, we are to treat them as though it is Jesus himself. Are you with me tonight, church? The tent of the Lord, the shadow that he cast is just as much for them as it is for us because he is a refuge for everybody. So when the Hebrews, hang with me now, when the Hebrews read David's recording of Moses' psalm, they understood the shadow that he is talking about. They understood that shadow to mean the shepherd's tent. That's what they understood it to mean. So if you were lost and you're out in the, mi- in the middle of the wilderness, you say, okay, well, what, what are the two things that I have to do? What, what do I have to do? Number one, you got to find the tent. And can I tell you, you found a tent in the palace tonight. Come on, somebody. You have found a tent. you got to find the tent. And then the next thing you have to do is that you have to call on the shepherd, in other words, the owner of the tent, and he will give you refuge. He will take you in. People would do well to look for the tent. Why is that? Because people always have a, a tendency to be lost. There is just something in our human nature where we just have a tendency to just fade away and wander off and grab the rope, children, and hang on tight. Y'all know what I'm talking about there. Just hang on to the rope. Don't let go. You don't want them to wander off. God is saying that there is a place in him and just as there was for Moses' day and just like there was in David's day, when the world is crazy, is the world crazy right now? And when things are overwhelming and things are hopeless, God is saying that he will take you in and he will nurse you back to a place of health. This is a law and it is a principle that God established for his people, but I want you to understand this. It's also one that he abides for him very self. In other words, it's not something God requires of us. God himself does this. God is the shadow. Let me just show you how extreme this law goes. This law of hospitality. How far back it goes. When you look in Genesis chapter 19, you see it spoken about. Some of you know where I'm going here. Imagine for just a minute this scene. Imagine this scenario for just a minute. God sends... Two angels, I'm not, I'm not going to go through the whole story, you can read it for yourself, but God sends two angels to the notorious cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. God, in his heaven, had been getting reports of just how bad things were. He decided to send down two angels to, in essence, scope things out and see if the reports are true. These two angels go in. and If you know the story, they, they, they make it into Lot's house. Lot being the nephew of Abraham, they make it into Lot's house. And there were some men of the city that noticed these two men who were really angels go into Lot's house and they have the gall. I mean, they have the depraved nature and the gall to go to the door of Lot's house and demand that Lot send those men out so that they can have relations with them. Imagine that scene. Imagine the gall. Imagine the depravity of that situation. Somebody do that to you at your house. Hold on. The law of hospitality is now in effect. Lot goes to an extreme because now they are in his tent, in his shadow. He is providing for them. He is protecting them. And he's trying to come up with a way to save them, to protect them even at his own expense. Because they had threatened to kick the door down and go in and assault his whole family if he didn't do it. And he says this, and I'm totally paraphrasing here. No, 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 don't do that. I'll give you my two daughters and you can do whatever you want to do with them, but don't dare touch these two men that are now under my protection. The law of hospitality. This is how serious this law, he would sacrifice his daughters, his own family to protect strangers. We cannot imagine demands like that today. Don't you know that when the dust settle and everything, don't you know he got an earful from them two girls? Come on, I mean, come on. Listen, I'm going. I'm. I'm going to try and be a good host, but there's limits. Come on, somebody. I mean, anymore, you don't even hardly want to answer the door without like a, you know, without a pistol in your hand. And hey, how are you doing? Praise God, brother. Yeah, come on in. You know, you got your pistol. and you, I mean, you don't know who's at the door anymore. You'd laugh, I'm telling you, in this day and time. We try and be gracious, but there are limits. But here's my point in bringing up this whole thing, is to say that, that, that just the extreme to which Lot went in order to honor that To do the unthinkable something that we in our westernized culture would never dream of doing. We would never imagine having done something like that. And I know there's not a direct parallel in the situation. I understand that between the law of hospitality and Christ's sacrifice on the cross. But the father willingly gave him up for me. When I was his enemy. When I was at enmity with him. He willingly gave up his own son where Lot was going to give up his own two daughters. This was not a law that God put on his own people to live out. He personally understood the sacrifice of the law. We're like the wicked men at Sodom. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5. Then it goes on to say this. Philippians chapter 2, he who gave him up for us all, how will he not also, in addition to him, give us all good things? Not only does he protect us, but he blesses us and he goes above and beyond. We who were his enemies. God opens the tent wide and he says, come on in. Come on in. And his shadow overcasts us and he protects us. And to prove the point, let me give you this. God being the good shepherd, he had his own tent. God knew what he was talking about. He had his own tent in the Old Testament. It was called the tabernacle. You can read about it on your own. I won't want a great detail, but the tabernacle was the place in which God's presence dwelt before the temple. Before it was in Jerusalem. And the same is true with the tabernacle as it was the temple in Jerusalem. In the tabernacle, there was this veil that separated a portion of the holy place from the most holy place in the tabernacle where people could only come so far. And this veil, it was a separation. And here's the thing with the veil. Here's the thing with the veil. The veil was not so much to keep God in the holy place and keep him boxed in. The veil was there to keep everybody else from coming in. It wasn't to keep God boxed in. It was to keep everybody else out. And so I want you to hear this. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple at that time was torn in two. And here's the symbolism. We now have full and complete access to all of God's hospitality. We have access to everything in his hospitality. You can come over to my house, but odds are I'm not going to show you my bedroom. There's limits. I sure am not going to show you my kids' bedrooms. (laughs) Clothes everywhere on the floor, not picked up. Look like a bomb went off in there. I'm not going to show you that. There's limits. But in God's tent, in terms of his hospitality, he says there is nothing that you don't have access to. It's yours. And he overshadows you and he welcomes you and he protects you. I had mentioned earlier that under that shadow, there's times that I need God to be L. You say, well, what do you mean? L was not really a name as much as it is a title that Abraham first understood of God. Elohim is a word that is often, capital E is a word that's often used to reference God, big G, but, but it can also reference supernatural beings. How many know there's supernatural beings besides God, right? It can also be used in the Bible to reference other supernatural beings, little e, Elohim, and big E, Elohim God. But it's talking about L. And so when Abraham was learning about God, one of the first things that he understood was oh, this is God. He is capital G, and there is no other capital G God. Oh, there might be other Elohim, other spiritual creations and things out there, little, little E, but there's only one big E. Somebody say amen. Amen. And what he understood was that this God, all powerful, all, uh, you know, wondrous God, he was the God that was watching out for me. And he's the same God that will watch out for you. And then the scripture goes on to talk about Shaddai. And that's, that, that kind of gives this context of a, of a nurturing God. You know, there's times, I'm sure we've all done it to an extent, you know, you, when you're a kid you get in a fight with somebody. I know I did a few times, not a bunch of times, but a few times you get in a fight with somebody. And one of the things you always say is, I'm going to go tell my dad. I'm going to go tell dad. I'm going to tell my dad. And you do that to intimidate the other kid thinking your dad is going to come and whip them for something you did to you. You know what I'm saying? All this kind of stuff. And, and you're, you're, you're bringing L into the scene. Come on, somebody. You're bringing the big man into the scene. And there's times in my life when I'm going through difficulties, I need, I need God to show up as L. He's powerful. He's strong. He's mighty. He's a warrior. And there's times when I need him to show up as Shaddai. When I'm beat down and I'm wore out and I'm weak and I'm frail and I need him to come along and nurture me and care for me and bring me into the tent being in his presence where he cares for me and loves on me. Come on, is this okay? Let me say that God also wants us to be tents on location for other people. Just as God is this tent of refuge for us, there's times that he wants you to be a tent of refuge for other people. People that don't know Christ, people that don't know anything about any of this stuff. And you being the best representation of Christ you can be, you bring them under your shadow and you be a reflection of who Christ is. Listen, we all go through things. We all go through issues. None of us enjoy, none of us want to go through hardships and difficulties. But listen, our, our oftentimes our past experiences, these struggles, these things that we go through, that we endure, they oftentimes become the well from which we draw in order to minister to others. It becomes that shadow where you can identify with people and you can say, I, I understand, but let me tell you what God did for me. And you, you bring them into the tent, you bring them into the fold. And your past experiences and victories are the ministry. They become the touchstones by which you can relate to everybody else. And it helps to nurture and strengthen everybody else. Because here's the fact. Your past is somebody else's present. Amen? Your past, I guarantee you, is somebody else's present situation. And God uses you to bring them in and minister to them. Nobody asks for a wilderness experience, but if it helps point others to where the shepherd is, if it helps point others to the shadow, then it's worth it. Come on, we have to point them toward Christ. We have to walk with them into the shadow. We got to take them to the high tower. I, as I was working on this, I'm about to bring it to a close. I was reminded just about past experiences I've had up around the altars in the church and. There have been so many, I mean, I can't remember them all. I can't, I can't remember a lot of specifics, but it breaks my heart because I, I, let me just say, I've been, I've been on the receiving end just as much as I've prayed for people. And sometimes when you're standing up here and you're, you're praying for people and you see people coming down the, 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 the aisleways of the church and you can just see, you can just see the brokenness you can see the defeat, you can see the pain, you can see the anguish and the, they're weary and they're tired and they're beat down and they're broken. And in those moments, we are not God, obviously, but in those moments, we are called to take them into the shadow. Come on. To take them into the shadow and pray for them and love on them. And some people that will come up, they're just, they're, they, some people will come up and they don't even know what to pray Sometimes people come up and, and you, what are you up here for? And they'll just kind of shrug. Like, I don't even know how I got up here. I don't know why I'm up here. Some of them want to just turn around and walk back to their seat, but they know there's something that has drawn them. And you say, well, what is that? It's the shadow. It's the almighty. It's, it's that high tower that's casting a shadow and it's bringing people in. It's the presence of God. I remember two instances in particular that I did think of. I remember there was one young guy that came forward and he he came forward and people were praying with him and I asked him, I said, well, what are you up here for? And he looked at me and you could just see it on his face and he just, I said, what can I help you with? What can I pray for you for? And he, he just, nothing to say. And I stepped back for just a moment and I thought, oh God, help me. Lord, give me knowledge, give me insight on what's going on. And here, let me just tell you, let me tell you how good God is. You want to hear, you want to know how good God is? When you come, when you, when, when you come to him for refuge and you don't even have the ability to speak, God is so good. He is so gracious. He is so kind. I remember in that incident, the Lord just gave me a word of knowledge. And I began to just grab a hold of him and, and I said, this is what the Lord told me is going on in your life. And I began to give him specifics and details. And he broke down and he cried because the Lord was giving voice to situations that were going on in his life that he couldn't even speak about. God was so good, God was speaking on his behalf. And then I said, now that we know, I said, now we know what to pray. And we begin to pray and the spirit of the Lord begin to take charge and lead of our prayer. And so God gave us, God drew him up here when he didn't even know what he was coming up here for, number one. God began to give insight what was going on in his life when he could not give voice to it, number two. God began to instruct us in our prayers to him about what was going on, number three. And God began to answer those same prayers that God himself was instructing, number four. In other words, God will do it all for you. He will do it all for you. And all he's saying is, come to the tent. Look for the tent. In fact, just like that Arab shepherd, he's calling out. Calling out, come, 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 come and eat, come, to, come. I'll refresh you. I'll comfort you. I'll nurture you. I'll protect you. I'll thump heads if I have to. That's the kind of God that he is. When you can't even speak, when you don't even know why or how you got up around here, God will take care of the whole show and program. I remember another situation as Pastor John and the priesting come quickly if they would? There was a young lady that came up one time and she uh, you could just you could just see fear and anxiety all over her face. I've been there. I've, I've, dealt, I've dealt with that at times. I understand completely the, how taxing that is and how it overwhelms you. And I I, just, I knew in my heart, my soul, what, what we were going to pray for. But I said, what, you know, what in particular, specifically, are we praying about? And she just said, I'm going under. I said, what do you mean you're going under? She said, I'm going to lose everything. I said, what do you mean by everything? She said, my family, my, my money, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose my house. And by this point, something just welled up inside of me. I said, stop right there. I said, do you, do you know Christ? I said, are you saved? I said, let's start here. Are you saved? Are you redeemed? She said, yes, I am. I said, then you have believed a lie. Come on, church. I said, you have believed a lie. And she looked at me like I was, I, I, it wasn't an insult. I wasn't trying to tear her down or nothing. I said, you have just simply given into a spirit of fear when you don't realize that God has not called you to live in defeat. I, told her, I said, I'm not saying you won't go through difficulties. I said, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, if you lose your job, what are you going to do? She said, I guess I'll go get another one. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not a better job. That's the kind of God I serve. I said what's going to happen if you lose your house I don't know I I guess I'll look for another one eventually I said yeah it'll probably be even bigger and better I wouldn't all be surprised listen I'm not making light of difficulty you hear me I'm not making light of seasons of challenge and difficulty and all this kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is there comes a point in your situations when you're going through that. that, that, And even like in her situation, the Lord began to give direction on things. And she was finally coming and she was realizing that there was a God that loved her and cared for her and would provide for her and nurture her and war for her if he had to. And he will do the same for you. He will do the very same for you. Don't believe a lie. Don't believe a lie. I want I want to bring this thing to a close. I made a list probably about two, two and a half years ago. This was for personal use. I've given this out to a few people over the years. And it's something I don't I don't do every day in my private time, private devotion, but it's something I, I try and do most days, if I can remember. And I've entitled it Who I Am. Now let me just be very blunt. And this this isn't about me building me up. Everything that that is on this list that I have access to is simply and strictly because of the grace and the goodness of Almighty God through Christ Jesus. It all goes back to Christ. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 that I am salt. It says, I'm light in verse 14. I'm a child of God in verse, according to John chapter one, verse 12. I'm actually Christ's friend according to John chapter 15, verse 15. I'm a slave to righteousness according to Romans chapter 6 verse 18. I am enslaved to God according to Romans chapter 6 verse 22. I am a member of Christ's body according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27. I'm a new creation according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. I'm an heir of God since I'm a a child of God, Galatians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. I am a saint according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. I'm God's workmanship and and His handiwork according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. I am the righteous and holy according to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24. I am an expression of the life of Christ because he is my life according to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4 listen I can go on and on and on the the point I'm trying to make to you is these are all this is all based on scripture these are all provisions that Christ has made for me that I can come under his shadow he has done this for me and he has done it for you I need four helpers four helpers very quickly Four helpers. Yes, I'm looking at you young people, whoever you are. Come on. Come on, young people. Four of you. Don't look at each other weird. Come on, four of you. Come on up here. Like who, me? Yeah, four. Come on. I want you to, come on up. Come on up here. I want you to grab a corner of this blanket. Raise it over your heads. The Bible points out. Yeah, there you go. Kind of raise it up over your head. Yeah. The Bible points out that there are nine primary ways to get, you say, well, Josh, how do do I get into the tent? How do I come under the tent? Raise it high. There you go, sorry. There we go, I'll help you. I'll help you, you're short, I'll help you. There's nine primary ways that I come under the tent and it all pertains to worship. And in essence, it goes back to worship. That's when you get into his presence. You say, "Well, what are the nine ways?" Well, there's three ways that deal with the mouth. I can speak. Psalm chapter 34 verse 1, "I will extol the Lord at all times; his praise will always be what on my lips, in my mouth." I can shout Psalm 27 and verse 6 Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I can sing, which I really can't, but I'll sing. Psalm 47 and verse 6 Then I can clap hands, I can lift hands. Worship and surrender. Instruments, just like these talented people up here. This is worship. You see different elements of worship. They're playing instruments. There's singing that's getting ready to happen. There's clapping of hands that's going to happen. There's lifting of hands that's going to happen. You're speaking. Some people are talking. Some people are extolling. Then your very body, that's the next set of three. When you stand in honor and reverence before the Lord. There's times when you bow and you get prostrate. And there's times when you dance. Those are the nine primary ways. I'm gonna ask everybody if you would tonight stand. Are your arms getting tired? A Little bit, switch arms. Keep going back and forth. Tag out if you have to here in just a minute. Somebody else be on standby. Now up here, you can't really see it from down where, but where I'm at. You guys see this little shadow right here? Y'all see that? So what happens is the shepherd, he comes to the door. The wings of the tent are open. Psalm 91, the wings are open. The feathers are up. And he comes to the tent And he says, if you're hungry, if you're hurting, if you're lost, come, come, come. Three times he says it. And it doesn't matter if you are friend or foe. You get up there around his tent and touch the tent. And he takes you in, and here's what's so good about God. Before it's all said and done, you will go from foe to friend. And tonight, I want you young people, if you would, not not forever, just come right over here. Bring this over here. I know know everybody can't see it very well, but there is a shadow. They verified it. I'm not a liar, am I? I'm not lying about that, am I? Okay. Spread that thing out. make it look cool somehow some way i don't know there you go good job so if you're here tonight symbolically i know it's symbolism i'm not trying to make this thing out to be anything more what i'm telling you is the, the tonight's call is this if you are hurting and you are broken and you are hungry and you are thirsty and you need a touch from God, all you have to do, listen, if you got to clap your hands, if you just got to whatever, you know what? Step, step down here. Step down here. I'm sorry. I should have had you do that while ago. And you're saying, I need God to move. I need to be refreshed tonight. I want you to just pass under his tent. Come on. If you're hurting and you're broken and you're, you're, you're tired and you're willing. Where are y'all? Come on. where, Where is everybody? Is there anybody hurting? Come on. Come on. Pass under. It's symbolic. I'm not saying there's anything goofy. It's a symbolic action. Come on. Lift your hands. Lift your hands as you go through. And then when you're done, I want you to come over here and I want you to spread out over here. Come on, just pass. Are you hungry? Are you hurting? Are you broken? You passed under his shadow. say, why are you, because you're doing it as an act of faith. It is simply an act of faith. There is no magic in this, in this, this blanket. It is an act of faith in what you're engaging. Come on. There's people coming. Come on. Come on, Matt. Come on. They can't keep it raised forever. Their arms are getting tired. Troopers. Come on. Come on. You're just terrorized, you're just tormented in your mind. Enemies lied to you, he has lied to you, and you're just terrorized. Just thoughts and fear and anxiety are terrorized. Evil schemes, enemies, arrows by night. That's just like sudden attacks, you know, when the enemy comes on, danger and wickedness, on and on and on and on and on. All these things, God's got you covered, He's got you covered. All right, now I'm going to ask, you can put it down. I'm going to ask some of our prayer warriors if you would. Church, would you right now lift your hands all across this place? Prayer warriors, you see those that are up here. It's an act of faith they've come tonight. It's an act of faith they've come through tonight. If we get some prayer warriors, I want you to start laying hands and be specific if you can. Find out, get, get specific what's going on. If, if, if it's appropriate to ask whatever. Church, will you believe with me that God is going to heal He's going to deliver. He's going to make whole. Will you agree with me on that tonight? Can we do that? Let's pray. And they're going to sing with us for just a few moments.